As I said in the weekly email message on Friday, I can't believe that it's the end of January already. It still feels to me like we just got through the holidays, especially since we, our family, only put away most of our Christmas decorations this past week. Notice I said most. They're not all gone yet. (laughs) Far from being a chance to catch our breath, January has been a busy month, full of good things like new leadership training and an officer retreat, closing out 2023 and planning for 2024, contending with winter weather and viruses galore, all on top of the usual merry-go-round of worship services, commission meetings, study groups, and pastoral needs. Yesterday, Chip and I were remarking to each other how we already feel like we are behind wherever it is we thought we'd be right now. Another pastor pointed out to us that the way the calendar has fallen this year doesn't help. Everything has felt compressed since Thanksgiving. With Christmas Eve falling on Sunday, we barely had three weeks of Advent before Christmas Day. And now, wouldn't you know, Easter falls early this year on March 31st, which means that Ash Wednesday is right around the corner on Valentine's Day, and Lent is only two and a half weeks away. It feels like we barely have time to catch our breath this year before we have to move on to the next season, the next celebration, the next, the next, whatever. Well, you know, this is exactly what it feels like to read the Gospel of Mark which we will be reading a lot of this year. Why, you might ask? Because according to the lectionary, we are in year B, and the gospel focus for year B is Mark. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, the lectionary is a collection or schedule of scripture readings that were assembled to encourage both individuals and faith communities to read through the whole Bible regularly instead of just reading the parts we happen to like the best or know. The Revised Common Lectionary, which is based on a similar Roman Catholic lectionary and is now used by many Protestant churches, follows a three-year cycle, A, B, C. Each year focuses on different books and stories from the Hebrew Scriptures, or what we call the Old Testament, and a different gospel, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, with bits of John mixed into all three years, and then other New Testament literature like the letters in the book of Acts. Starting with Advent back in December, the gospel of the year is Mark. Most of us have forgotten or forget that the four gospels paint fairly different pictures of who Jesus was and what he said. In fact, we usually mash all four gospels together into one basic story and never realize that the gospels sometimes disagree with each other on all kinds of things, like when Jesus was born, when Jesus died, how long his ministry lasted, how many times he went up to Jerusalem during his ministry, and the list goes on. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they take a similar approach to Jesus' life. Synoptic sounds like a fancy word, but it's from the Greek word syn, meaning same, as in synonym, and optic, meaning eye. It literally means with the same eye or from a similar perspective. Isn't language cool? Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell a somewhat biographical version of Jesus' story, 
recording what Jesus said and did when. As people in our Wednesday night study this year have learned, however, John is a completely different kind of gospel. If you were to play that game from Sesame Street with the four gospels, guessing which one of these things is not like the other, the answer is definitely John. Whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke are somewhat orderly accounts of Jesus' life, John is mystical and theological and downright confusing at times. These inconsistencies and disagreements can be a headache for our more conservative brothers and sisters in faith who believe that the Bible is inerrant and the literal word of God. But we Presbyterians believe that the Bible is the unique and authoritative word of God, written by fallible human beings in particular places and times in history. And so we rely not just on the words themselves, but on the Holy Spirit and the faith community to help us read and understand and take seriously the uniqueness of each version. This year, we'll be focusing on the Gospel of Mark and what it tells us about who Jesus was and who Jesus calls us to be. You may have noticed that some of our Faith for Life groups have started or are about to start studies on the Gospel of Mark. And we would like to invite all of you to join in, in along with them at any time. The Thursday morning uh, group just started last week. The Sunday morning group starts today. And Wednesday evening will start the Mark study in a few weeks. All are welcome. But what makes Mark so special, you might ask? Well, for starters, it's the shortest of the four Gospels at only 16 chapters. And although Matthew gets the pride of place as the first gospel in the New Testament, Mark is actually the earliest of the four gospels to be written, probably around the year 70, almost 40 years after Jesus' life and death. And as our Faith for Life folks learned during Advent, the gospel of Mark is unique in that it does not have a birth story about Jesus. That's right, no angels, shepherds, or wise men. And here's a teaser. In Mark, no one actually sees the resurrected Jesus either. Cue the sound effects from Law and Order. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) During our study this past Thursday morning, we read and listened to the first chapter of Mark straight through, all 45 verses. We heard a section of it this morning in our second lesson. When it was over, I asked the Thursday morning group, what did you notice? How did you feel as you listened? Exhausted, one person said. Tired, said another. That was a lot, said someone else. Similar to the way that I've been feeling in the midst of a busy schedule and compressed time frame, the beginning of Mark's gospel moves fast and is action-packed. Mark may be short on details, but he loves that word immediately because in his telling, Jesus is always on the move. Chapter 1 begins with John the baptizer out in the wilderness proclaiming the way of the Lord when all of a sudden a fully grown Jesus shows up asking to be baptized. Then the Spirit drives Jesus further into the wilderness for 40 days of testing where he hangs out with the wild animals and the angels. When he returns, Jesus hits the ground running. He calls his first disciples, 
starts teaching at the synagogue, casts out an unclean spirit, heals Peter's mother-in-law, then cures more diseases, casts out more demons. The next morning, he gets up early to pray, heals a leper, travels to more towns, teaches in the synagogue, healing and exercising demons all along the way, finally ending up out in the countryside, surrounded by crowds of people who cannot get enough of him. And that's only his second day on the job. No wonder we feel tired just reading about it. Sometimes I wonder, how did Jesus do it? Where did he find the strength and the energy, the words and wisdom, the power and presence of mind to do all that and keep going? So the easy answer would be for us to just say, well, you know, it's because he's actually God. But I don't think that's Mark's answer. In fact, of all the Gospels, Mark is the fuzziest one about whether Jesus is divine or human or some combination of the two. Back in first, the first century Roman Empire, anyone in power could claim that they were a son of God. And Jesus never refers to himself that way. But he does call himself the son of man. I think what saves Jesus here is his focus. Thanks to his baptism, he knows exactly who he is, God's beloved son, and what God is calling him to do. Proclaim the good news that God's kingdom, God's reign of love and grace, justice and peace, is here. And so the time is now to see it, to embrace it, and to live it. As Episcopal canon Charles Robertson explained, the kingdom of God is not a place separate from this place. It is God's reign, God's presence and power and peace. And it is quite near indeed, closer to us than our very breath. Eternity walks side by side with time, he writes. This is what Jesus tells us at the start of his ministry. This is the laser focus that allows Jesus to move at such an intense pace and do God's work in the midst of ever-changing times and places and circumstances. So then Jesus goes on in his life and ministry to show us what God's kingdom is all about. Life in God's presence here and now. And that's what we read about this morning in our gospel lesson. Jesus shows us what God's kingdom looks like healing people from diseases, exercising demons of the body, mind, or spirit, touching and eating people who have been eating with people who have been relegated to the margins of society. That sure didn't sound good. <laughs> Sharing the good news of God's love and grace, lifting up God's vision of a world in which all life flourishes as God intends. In his words and actions, Jesus is reflecting the one who sent him the God of both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the God we find in our reading from the psalm today. This God rebuilds shattered cities and brings exiles home again. The God that counts the stars and knows them all by name also heals the brokenhearted and puts band-aids on our deepest wounds. The very epitome of strength and power reaches out to the vulnerable, the oppressed, the powerless, and lifts them up with hope and help. The mighty creator of the earth and skies, the majestic mountains and deep oceans, is also the one who provides for us 
who feeds us, even the baby birds, with water and food and abundance. This is the God who is the source and focus of Jesus' life and ministry. This is the God whose kingdom Jesus wants us to seek and understand and make real here on earth. We all go through intense times in life, whether it's due to busy schedules or challenging circumstances. And the world is constantly moving and changing all around us. It can be exhausting just trying to catch up and adapt, let alone move forward with a sense of meaning and purpose. It's so easy to get swept along like a pebble on a river. How do we stay focused? What keeps us grounded? Well, believe it or not, even though the calendar has not been my friend lately, I do appreciate how our liturgical calendar and the church year invites us to stay grounded in a story that is bigger than our own. Regardless of what year it is in the lectionary, the rhythm from Advent to Christmas to Epiphany is always the same. Regardless of what gospel we are reading from, in the month of January, the lectionary stories from the gospels always follow the same pattern, starting with the baptism of Jesus, the calling of the disciples, and the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if someone, with a capital S maybe, knew we might have a hard time coming down off the holidays and entering a new year. No wonder we make New Year's resolutions and reflect on how we might need to change our lives. But rather than get caught up in the values of the culture around us that tell us we need to focus on our waistline or the bottom line, our church year grounds us in the bigger story of whose we are and who we are called to be. Just as God claimed and called Jesus beloved, so God claims and calls each one of us as beloved children. Just as Jesus called his first disciples, so Jesus calls each one of us to follow in his footsteps. Just as Jesus shows us what the kingdom of God looks like, so we are given the same focus. To bring the good news that God's kingdom is here and now into our homes and communities, our schools and workplaces, our church and our world. Maybe instead of getting swept along by whatever waves of anxiety and expectation are bombarding us, the tides of our to-do lists or the surges in our schedules, we should stop every now and then, like Jesus did in our scripture lesson today. Take a deep breath and shift your focus for a moment or a prayer or a worship service. Remember that you are part of a much bigger story than the narratives of success and beauty, wealth and self-worth, perfection and power all around us. As our church calendar and our lectionary calendar remind us every January, no matter what you've just come through or what lies ahead of you, you too are a beloved child of God, called to see and believe and make God's kingdom real in your life and in the world. So let's take a deep breath and remember 
God's presence and power and peace are closer to us than the breath you just took. As we follow Jesus today, may we stay focused on that good news in the days and weeks to come. Amen.